Hello, Charlie Gladstone here, and welcome to part two of my time capsule edition of Love in the Time of Coronavirus. This sits very much as a partner to part one, so I suggest you listen to that first if you're interested in doing so. Thanks, here we go. We started episode 10 with Paddy Bing, who is the chairman of Brompton Bikes and who at the time of publication of the podcast was trying to raise £400,000 to help buy Brompton bicycles for frontline workers. So what good will come out of this mess? Well, it's a big question, isn't it? I think on a, on a very local and uh, personal level, our, our little village here has certainly become much more communal than I can ever remember in the sense of people generally looking out for each other, particularly those who are self-isolating, actually, such as ourselves, who self-isolated for two weeks and had uh, neighbours and, and, other, and other people from the village um, queuing um, to help us out, which was, which was amazing. I'd be really surprised if, if that sense of community doesn't continue once we, we, we re-emerge from, uh, from this crisis. And then we had an almost whispered in contribution from the amazing chef and author, Olia Hercules. Um, having all sorts of uh, positive fantasies about how this crisis will change the world, really hoping that people will reconsider the way that they live, um, that they will take environment in a more serious way, uh, they will try to live more sustainably. I became more adventurous with my sourdough baking. Um, I'm doing loads of stuff with my son. We're both learning piano using this app. Uh, we've learned almost all of the flags of the world. It's quite exciting. Thanks so much, Olia. Gail Bryson is someone that I've worked with now for many years, including a lot of work with peddlers and during the lockdown, some work for our 5050 project, which was to try to employ 50 creatives over 50 days while they were struggling with the lockdown. So here is the screen printer, designer and colour specialist, Gail Bryson. I really hope that some good will come out of this mess. I'm hoping people will become kinder and that the caring creative spirit I'm seeing all around me will continue. I've been so inspired by all the positivity and generosity I've been seeing on Instagram and in my local neighbourhood. On Instagram, people sharing skills and ideas and neighbours and friends looking out for one another more. I hope this carries on. This strong sense of community has really struck me. I've spoken to people on my street for the first time since this happened. I've had seeds delivered through my door by local community gardens, fresh bread left on my doorstep. It's been a bit overwhelming. And then we ended episode 10 with, for the second time, my daughter-in-law, Rayhan. And this time she managed to say what she was planning. Um, I think that this, this time will hopefully uh, remind us to, to show love towards each other, but also to our planet. And will give us a second chance Afra, Afra. to maybe do things differently and do them better this time. So I've almost been, well, I've been really jealous, actually, um, hearing about the different things that people have started doing during this time, whether they're doing loads of amazing gardening or whether they are embroidering really cool things. 
um, or learning new hobbies, growing things, cooking things. I think everyone's been really creative and it's been amazing to hear about all the different things that people have been doing. Um, but it has made me slightly envious. But having said that, the one thing that I have learned how to do um, ever since this whole situation kicked off um, has been the most amazing thing. And although her crying may make it sound otherwise, um, the most amazing thing that I've learned to do is to become a mother. And it's been life changing. It's beautiful. It's totally overwhelming. <laughs> And then we opened episode 11 with the thinker, philosopher and publisher of the Idler magazine, Tom Hodgkinson. We have been out for a few family bike rides, which has been really nice. Um, and uh, along the river to Hammersmith, we went down to Richmond Bridge from Shepherd's Bush, where we live. <clears throat> um, and those moments, you sort of think, God, this is like uh, something out of William Morris, News from Nowhere, where... There's been a nuclear bomb and we've gone into the future and we've created some kind of ideal society. If you couldn't see the pain and misery, because there's no cars, there's everyone on their bicycles, people are smiling and happy, it was beautiful weather, and you think this is just absolutely lovely. If I didn't know I was in hell, I might be mistaken for thinking I was in heaven. And Tom was actually followed by a friend of his, the Reverend Peter Francis, who is the warden of Gladstone's Library, Britain's only prime ministerial and one of its few residential libraries, and here is Peter. You ask what good will come out of this mess? Well, I think on a personal level, I, we, will re-emerge having learnt a different rhythm of life, a sense of who and what matters. I wonder if that rejigging, that reset button, can work for our country, our politics, our environment. It's not encouraging, is it? Those who've disproportionately suffered from this virus, the poor, ethnic minorities, the sick. And that's always been the case, whatever, in Britain, in USA and Europe. Economics still matter more than people's lives or the future of our planet to many of our politicians. Can that change? Locally, yes, there seems to be a new neighbourliness. So this moment could, with the right political and moral leadership, be that time of change. And then we ended with someone who's very close to me, both physically and in lots of other ways, my daughter, Xanthi, who is the director of food sustainability for our festival and across all of our businesses, as well as being a chef, a grower and a supper club host. And she spoke to me from her greenhouse. People will see that skills such as bread making, growing your own vegetables, fermenting food is not only a kind of hobby and middle class pastime, but it's also essential. And we kind of thought we were over the stage where we could, we needed to be self sufficient. But I think it's taught us that having these skills is really essential and is also really rewarding. So I really hope that people will be more engaged with uh, not only growing their own veg so that they don't have to rely on supermarkets during the time of coronavirus, but also afterwards they'll be more engaged with making things from scratch. Tristan Gooley is a man that I've known on and off for many years. He's best known as the natural navigator and has published a number of books on the subject of 
uh, outdoor signs and navigation. And here is Tristan. For, for people who um, survive this, uh, humanity as a whole will have learned a lot. Um, we will, in terms of medical understanding and um, uh, drills of how to deal with pandemics, we will be uh, a different world from, from here on, um, which will very sadly be too late for many people. But um, for, the, for the, the rest of humanity, that is uh, perhaps one positive. But I think in a, in a sort of vaguer, woollier, philosophical sense, I think there will be a positive in terms of our understanding of more from less. And next up, we have Karen O'Donoghue, as cheerful and chirpy as you can possibly get. This COVID-19 business has really showcased a massive, massive influx of interest in people making their own bread and growing their own food again, which has just been so, so heartening. Um, and I'm sure for anyone who works in food, they're feeling like all the chat they've given this industry for so long is now kind of coming to the foreground and is playing a big role in what's happening, which is quite cool. Thanks very much, Karen. Next up, we have my wife, Caroline, who was speaking to us whilst on furlough from her job with Granger & Co, the international chain of restaurants in our garden in Wales. What good do I think will come of this crisis? Um, somebody sent me a meme this morning, um, and I know it's become a bit of a joke um, that I am the meme queen um, during this period. Um, but this one, I feel, is worth repeating. Um, it says, I think that when the dust settles, we will realise how very little we need, how very much we actually have, and the true value of human connection. And I think that that, in a way, sums up um, what I would have said um, to, in answer to, to your question. And then we have Jen Goss, another person speaking from Wales, the chef and author known on Instagram as R2Acres. I'm hoping and praying that our NHS will be saved and become just even better and that NHS nurses will be paid relevant to the work that they do. Maybe people will come back to the simple things in life and re-understand where things come from and how they're made. We'll treat the planet better. This is my big hope. Less pollution, less travel, less excess consumerism. And someone who wasn't getting any rest whatsoever during lockdown was the TV personality and fashion designer, Patrick Grant. And here's what Patrick dialed in early one morning from his factory. Hi, uh, loving the time of coronavirus podcaster listeners. Uh, this is Patrick Grant calling. Um, I'm not calling, I'm just talking. Um, I'm speaking to you this morning from the Cookson and Clegg factory in Blackburn. You might, in the background, just about make out the whirring of sewing machines. That's the sound of NHS scrubs being made. We, uh, we pivoted this factory over to production of scrubs a couple of weeks ago. It was a pretty amazing effort by the team here. 36 hours from the tech packs arriving from, from, from the customer to bulk fabric being unloaded from the wagon. It was a pretty amazing thing, something that would normally take about three months. 
but they managed it and we got straight into production in serious volume. So we're making about a thousand pairs a week. We're also making several tens of thousands of antiviral snuds in this factory because PPE is a big issue and you know we're we're working hard now actually on a mask manufacturing route. We're also working to try and see if the government can support a volunteer sewing service as well. So there's a lot going on. And we've had quite a number of chefs and a food photographer, but we haven't had a food writer, not at least until we had Felicity Cloak, who wrote the quite brilliant and incredibly funny and engaging One More Croissant for the Road. So here is Felicity. Hi, this is Felicity Cloak, The Guardian's How to Make the Perfect Columnist and author of One Mile Croissant for the Road, which is actually going to be out in paperback as well in July. Um, I am in lockdown in my very small London flat with my Cairn Terrier, Wilf. Um, and excitingly, we have recently been joined by a mouse or more probably a whole family of mice. Um, so things have got a lot less peaceful over recent days because Wilf is on permanent high alert um, for said mice, uh, but to be honest, things could be worse. Thanks very much, Felicity. We next had Viv Rickman, who is an outdoor swimmer, an artist who will be known to many of you who have come to the Good Life Experience or Camp Glendie. We're close to my dear old dad, which means I can fetch his shopping when he needs it, and I can physically see him. I mean, albeit from a safe distance at the end of his path but all the same it's it's really nice to actually just see him and check that he's okay um yeah it's, it's quite emotional really seeing him um dad and i have a virtual coffee morning via facetime every day um and, and that and catching up with him is my absolute highlight of the day but yeah physically seeing him is is just really special um, at home, we're really lucky. We have a beautiful little stream that runs through the garden. Um, and it's become a bit of a sanctuary. I take myself there early every morning with, a, with my first coffee and have a bit of quiet time. Just listen to the world go on, sort of around me. Um, listen to the birds, listen to the stream. And I usually write a few words. And it's that side of my creative work I've been trying to keep going every day. So what good do I think is going to come out of it all? Um, I don't know, I think we, we know that the world is going to be a very different place, but already it feels like there's a little bit more compassion. Uh, I, I've certainly noticed that, you know, when people cross the road, um, you know, to social distance, everybody makes sure that they make eye contact and, and give you a little bit of a smile. Um, I don't know, and there's, there's a depth to people noticing um, that the planet's starting to heal itself and there has to be more compassion and action for climate change after this. Thanks very much as ever for your contribution, Viv. James Arnold is an animator and graphic designer and I've never met him actually, but we started working together. He got hold of me through Instagram and he has been doing some work with us over the course of the lockdown. Um, creating a number of animations and beautiful illustrations for various different purposes. And here's James. The first thing that came to my mind was, uh, I don't, please don't mock me for this, Frankie goes to Hollywood, welcome to the Pleasure Dome. It was, I think it's the only thing I can think of. I was like, Amy, my wife, who's inside now, I mentioned it, uh, oh, there's the dog. 
mentioned it to her earlier on and I said, I'm going to talk to Charlie about my double album. And she said, don't mention Frankie Goes Hollywood. And I thought, well, I've got to mention it because it's the first thing that came to mind. And I said, you tell me a better double album that you can think of in 10 seconds. And she went, I went 10, nine. Do you know what she said? You know what she said, Charlie? She said, fame, the double album, fame. And next up, we have Hilary Gallo, the author of Fear Hack. Tempted to, to think that my greatest reflection is that the systems we live in are quite complicated. Um, I was reminded of this this morning, um, talking to someone who's a, making bread or years struggling to to learn a skill and to be self-sufficient um, and learning how to make sourdough and then realising in this latest situation that that's all very well but but we can't get hold of flour you know there's no flour and isn't it interesting how the the things that we thought we were okay with um, we didn't predict the things elsewhere that kind of would get in the way or that would be different or that would, or that would change. So I guess one of my greatest realisations is just the interconnectedness of so many things. And next up, we have Penny Lee, the brand directress, who came up with the brilliant business slogan, Fuck it, I'm going niche. Over to you, Penny. Um... For me, I really think and I hope is people appreciating a slower pace of life. More about people and community and less about stuff. Um, that it slows down an ever rapid and increasing unsustainable life for us and the planet. Um, and I really hope and want to see more people not going back to just business as usual. Thanks very much, Penny. The next person to dial in their answers was the illustrator and ornithologist, Matt Sewell. You know, when it became apparent that we all need uh, people online <laughs> giving us things to do, um, you know, I got involved and started doing my spotting and jotting clubs live on um, Instagram and uh i couldn't believe the uh the reaction they got it was just gone down so well um and it's just very simple i've you know got a taped up gaffer tape some cardboard onto a my camera tripod cut a hole in it so i could point it straight down at my desk and i'm just drawing birds in a way that you can copy at home it's all ages it's um, from Litlands to all ladies. Um, so, I mean, everybody's locked in, aren't they? And after stuff to do. And um, so, yeah, I'll just simply teach you how to draw certain birds. I first met Rob Umberto Walker last summer 2019 at the Good Life Experience. And he has done a large mural for me subsequently. And so I asked him what he was doing during lockdown and this is what he came back with. Ebony has to work from home. She's a key worker and she's set up a little office in our bedroom. And we're all dealing with it um, quite remarkably well, to be honest, uh, but as best as anybody can, you know, kind of sort of 
muddling through. Our son is being homeschooled by myself um, now, which is not too difficult. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm an ex senior lecturer, university lecturer, and I understand the kind of principles, you know, of teaching. Um, however, there are there have been some difficulties with that, you know. And then suddenly, very quickly, we're on the final edition. It's all gone very quickly, and I'm actually quite sad now that it's ended. But we kicked off episode 15 with Marina Fogel, who was dialing in from the countryside just outside London. I mean, it has been lovely on the one hand, because we are living very close to each other. We're spending a lot of time together. And that has been so lovely. I think I spend so much of my life wishing I had more downtime. And certainly what the lockdown has provided me with is, is, is that. Although, on the other hand, it's definitely a little bit of a challenge. We started homeschooling or home education um, last week. And it's been quite challenging <laughs> because our children rely on us so much. It's It's lovely seeing them work. But on the other hand, I just feel like I'm inundated with questions. And then sending in his contribution from France was the author of Do Breathe, Michael Townsend Williams. Take it away, Michael. A reset, I think, of human values, um, what really matters to us as individuals. And I think that's affecting also senior politicians and business leaders too. Um, a renewed importance of our public services, um, which are obviously been exposed. Um, I think a resurgence in local manufacturing, uh, improved national resilience, a better understanding um, of the real world ramifications of how we're going to need to adjust to manage climate change, and the simple joy and peace of um, being calm and not rushing around all the time, I guess. Thanks very much as ever, Michael. Uh, if you've been to the Good Life Experience, you may well have seen Michael talk. He always speaks to absolutely rammed tents there. Next, we have the founder of Nine Meals from Anarchy, which is a great name for a company, Thomas Whitley. My company is called Nine Meals from Anarchy in part because I hoped it would remind people that food underpins everything and it doesn't take long without it for things to fall apart. But I do rather find myself wishing it wasn't as relevant as it is at the moment. What good do I think will come out of this mess? Well, I think it's the first time in human history that the entire world is focused on the same problem. And given that the most other pressing issues we face are global ones, it may help us build a framework for tackling those. And then the penultimate speaker on the series was James Greenwood, the vet children's TV star and Potter, James Greenwood. We've all had this kind of reset button hit um, that, that has made us sort of think, okay, you know, what's important is, is our friends and family and just reprioritize a little bit. And then the second thing that I'm kind of hoping might lead to good coming out of this is, is just the fact that because of this, the planet seems to just have been given a chance to breathe, you know? We've, we're seeing the air pollution in cities has dropped right down, the canals in Venice are, are suddenly clear again. You know, these, these, these are positive effects of us just all slowing down. Um, and 
I think if this is the trigger that potentially could lead to some more sustainable changes to how we sort of treat the environment and treat the planet and it just reharmonizes our relationship with the natural world, then again, I think that could be a real positive, um, a real positive result of, of where we all are now. And then finally, drum roll for my editor for three years on my series of podcasts, the brilliant Jim Friend. Something I've already seen or already felt is is a sense of community and I know that's been covered by a few people already. Um, I mean, I, I really don't know my neighbours well at all, but uh, as soon as this kind of pandemic started to kind of creep in, we got uh, a leaflet through our door asking us if we needed any help while whilst we were isolating. Um, there was a neighbourhood group starting um, a WhatsApp group. Um, and it also then at the bottom said if you wanted to join and help Flyer, the rest of Brixton, you could. Um, so we got involved in that and we, we met people and we helped kind of pretty much, I mean, following the WhatsApp group, they they pretty much covered Brick, had the whole of Brixton in um in a few a few days really it was amazing um and loads of you know positive thoughts on there and yeah and i suppose you hope that sense of community will carry on and that brings it to an end um this is a small part of what everyone said as i've said before i'm incredibly grateful to everyone who's contributed I hope that this time capsule means something to some of us. It may even lead us back to some of the special editions, which are amongst the most listened to podcasts that I've ever done. But if nothing else, here it is, just a small memento of a really strange time. Who knows what this will all mean when we listen back to this. But thank you to everyone who's contributed to it. Thank you for all your messages of love and optimism and peace and I really truly do believe that with people like you guys the listeners and people like you guys the contributors everything is going to be all right anyway we'll see won't we thank you very much this is me signing out from love in the time of coronavirus with lots of love and I will see you soon thank you very much bye <laughs>